Welcome back to the Autonomous Electrical Fuels Summit. This is Alan Adler, the Detroit Bureau Chief for Freight Waves. I'm joined today by Don Burnett, the co-founder and CEO of Kodiak Robotics. Don, it's great to see you again. We see each other from time to time. It's good to catch up here and to talk a little bit about, oh, I think what we called this was something about this really is a science project, I think is what we said uh, about this. But your background really is extensive. You work on, uh, you worked on the Google self-driving car project. You co-founded Auto, uh, worked with Uber before starting Kodiak. You've been around. I mean, you're one of the guys who's really been around this from the beginning. Talk a little bit about what you've learned along the way that's been valuable at Kodiak. Absolutely. And it's great to be here, Alan. Uh, of course, it's always great to great to catch up. I have been around the space for quite some time. I've, I've seen a lot of things. It's been a really fun journey uh, for me in particular, and I think for, for the rest of us working in this industry. One of the biggest, most important aspects of bringing this technology together, I think, is, is really gaining experience. It's one of the single most um, important uh, aspects for me that I, I've noticed over my career. Really, trial and error is what makes significant progress at the end of the day. And I've, I've worked on many different uh, stages of the technology from its infancy to a much more mature product, to commercialization. And I, I notice as people come into this space, there's a lot of smart folks around the table, often with great ideas, um, some of them novel, some of them not so much. But I often find people gravitating to similar types of solutions that I've, I and others have seen and tried in the past. And so what this means ultimately is that there's a lot of iteration uh, that happens when when developing this technology and that experience and trial and error and having tried things and pushed it to the limit and failed and then pulled through, uh, figured out what characteristics of solutions succeed, what characters, characteristics of solutions uh, don't succeed and gaining that knowledge, making you stronger, better um, and more capable moving forward is ultimately what I think makes the difference. Uh, being smart is just not enough. Just having good intuition is not enough. You really need experience. Um, and when I was starting Kodiak, I, I told my co-founder, Paz, I said, look, if we're going to do this, I, I have only a handful of requirements, one of which is when we build our team, it needs to be an incredibly experienced team, pulling folks from all over the AV industry, folks who have worked in the robo-taxi space, uh, not just from one particular company, not just from Waymo, not just from Uber, but from everywhere. So we can bring the breadth of experience and ideas uh, to bear on a very um, on a very specific problem. So I think, yeah, experience in the space is really the difference maker. And I think the more experienced teams are the ones that you're seeing distance themselves on actually implementing the technology and moving closer to commercialization. Sure. Well, you've taken a very scientific approach. I mean, in addition to experience, you said you said that, you know, developing your software product. In fact, you said that autonomous trucking really is a science project. I think you actually said that to me once. Uh, you know, how do customer end users relate to that approach? And is it different messaging outside the lab? I mean, you talk to each other differently than you do to potential customers, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you look back at the history of the industry, uh, certainly back in the early days of the RoboTaxi project, it was much more of a research and development product. And it was a lot of fun. I actually really enjoyed that part of my career. I'd say the first four or five years working at Google, 
coming out of CMU, really exciting time. Um, we were just pushing the technology in all kinds of directions. Um, and there came a point when we realized, okay, we really need to start thinking about the business application, the commercialization, the end user, the operational domain. Where is this technology going to make an impact? Whom is it going to serve? How is it going to be technically implemented? And how do we ultimately bring it to market in a safe and reliable way? And so uh, I thought urban environments were uh, extremely difficult to answer those questions. I didn't really believe in, in the robo-taxi vision. And that's when I started to hone in and focus on, on highways, which I think is ultimately a more uh, structured environment for a t uh, deploying autonomy and, and thus uh, easier from a technology perspective. And I think there's a straightforward go-to-market um, application. And so that's why I left Google to co-found Auto. And I think ever since that moment, me, myself in the industry, we've been really pulling out of this science experiment um, type mentality. It's much more about uh, the rigor around building automotive grade components, automotive grade hardware, putting all that together with, of course, the world class um, intelligence that's needed to make really complicated decisions in real time out on the roads. But I think you are seeing a shift now away from that science experimentality and uh, really toward commercialization. That's where Kodiak is today. That's where we've been for the last several years. And I think going forward, you're really going to see companies like Kodiak pushing the envelope on commercialization. So give me one or two examples of, of how that's working. Uh, when we talk about it's you've left the science project, we hear that on a lot of things. Uh, you heard on fuel cells, for example, that it was a a science experiment for years, and now it's actually maybe, maybe coming into its own. We've heard that a lot, right? But but I think I, I have to ask the question, you know, what one or two things really come to mind? And again, you made a clear delineation for yourself between robo-taxis and trucking. You know, trucking is where it's at for you, highways, predictability, things like that. Give me some, give me a couple of thoughts in, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what really makes for a commercialization then, if that's where you're at. So when you start a autonomous vehicle program, there's a lot of things you need to do. These are very complex systems. They involve hardware, they involve software, there's computers, there's sensors, there's vehicles, there's public roads. There's a lot to contend with. And you have to put it all together as a complete system before you can even start testing. A lot of people don't think about that, but before you can actually test your perception system and your motion planning system and your control system, you have to have all of the components together already up to some level of maturity so that it doesn't completely just fall apart. And so when you start off, there's a lot of feature implementation, capability implementation, uh, as I like to call it. So the, the basics, you need your vehicle to be able to detect lanes and follow a lane, right? That's the most basic. And then ideally, it can avoid hitting the thing in front of you, right? Step one. Uh, but then you start to develop more complicated f uh, features like handling merges and merge logic. Do I go in front? Do I go behind? Handling cut-ins dealing with other real-time driver conditions. And then you step it up one more level, you get to handling construction, uh, lane shifts. A lot of this industry is built on mapping technology. People love to talk about HD maps and really detailed maps and high fidelity maps and all these things. And then what happens when your map is out of date? You've mapped the world, the world has changed, there's construction, how do you deal with that? These are all things that you need to think about and, and implement feature by feature, capability by capability in the beginning. 
And one way to measure progress in AV is by something we call policy disengages. So when you start off, there's a lot of things you know your system can't handle and you tell your safety driver, if this situation occurs, please disengage the system. We're not going to push through. We're not going to try it. We know we can't handle it. And you can measure your progress in terms of these policy disengages. At Kodiak today, we have no more policy disengages. We are essentially feature complete. We can handle everything the highway throws at us. Uh, from merges and cut-ins and construction, we can detect vehicles that are pulled over on the side of the road where you need to slow down for them or lane change away. We can do that all of that autonomously. Um, and we're making complete commercial delivery drives without any intervention whatsoever from our safety drivers. So that's really the level of feature completeness I think we need to get to before we pull out of this R&D phase. Now, what comes next? And just to really briefly answer, because I know we don't have a lot of time here, that, that then becomes the safety case portion of the project. So building your safety case, that's the comprehensive evaluation that proves for us that the Kodiak driver is gonna be safer than the average truck driver. And this analysis uh, depends on many different factors from high level statistical benchmarking to simulation testing, and also functional safety analysis. There's a lot of different components, but once the testing is complete and the validation is complete, that's when we'll finally be ready to start operating completely driverlessly on the roads. And that's the stage that Kodiak is now working toward. We've implemented all the features. This is really about commercialization, showing that we're building an automotive grade solution and ensuring that we can handle all the faults and contingencies if there's any failure within the system, and then ultimately, uh, deploying the driverless solution out on the road. Sure. Okay. Well, that gets that's a roadmap of sorts, which is very appreciated. Don, if you accept that there are six main competitors, including yourself in high autonomy, and you know that would be too simple: Waymo, Aurora, Embark, plus being the other five. What does this industry look like five years from now, from a technology application standpoint, and the number of players? Well, I think we are at a pivotal moment in the autonomous industry. It's no longer a question of if the technology is going to happen, but I believe it's a question of when. Um, and I think this is a large industry. I think there's a, a room for many players in this space. You can see most of the companies that you're, men you're mentioning either focusing on trucking or, or drifting toward trucking as they identify, like, like we did many years back, that this is going to be the first viable use case, both technologically and commercially commercially, but we're at the beginning of this race. Uh, I think there's a lot of industries where the companies that have led a lot of the initial traction aren't in the industry uh, today and, and weren't the industry winners. So I think there's, there's ample uh, evidence of that. The iPhone being one of the primary ones wasn't the first smartphone and Tesla didn't make the first EV. Um, and, you know, Microsoft Word wasn't, wasn't the first word processor, but all of these companies built upon the lessons and experiences of their past to build a better, more reliable product. And so I think that in the next five years, we're going to start to see, we're going to start to see scaled driverless operations. And it's, it's impossible to predict who will be left standing in those five years. But ultimately, I believe the players with the best technology are the ones that are going to win. And we think that Kodiak is very well positioned for that. Great, great. Well, you better say that, by the way. 
<laughs> I believe it too. I believe. I don't it. think so anybody's that's the most important. Yeah, I, 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 and I know I've talked to you enough to know that you do believe it. So until very recently, though, uh, Don Kodiak has taken what seems to be kind of a heads down approach to autonomous trucking. You know, you haven't sought a lot of attention. I mean, now you have your Air Force uh, project. You've got the expansion with SK in Asia. Uh, Bridgetone and, you know, most recently the BMW iVentures uh, uh, investment. Of course, you won't tell me how much that is. But uh, do these activities move you closer to building a case for staying alone or possibly merging with another? I mean, this is a follow-on question really to the last one. Um, you know, do, do you see yourself, uh, do you know more than most about what's going on, at least two cases, because you've been with Waymo or, or with Google and you've been with Aurora, uh, or the predecessor, anyway, uh, uh, when, when you're at uh, uh, Uber, you you were there in the early days. What do you think? I mean, are you now? You say you'll be a survivor, and I believe you, uh, and I believe you believe it. The question is, do you survive on your own, or does this industry have mergers ahead of it? Well, first, to answer the first part of your question, we're extremely proud of all the recent partnerships that we have announced. You're right to say that we did really put our heads down for, for three years and just focus on the tech. I think being able to tell the story that I, that I told in the previous question about being feature complete and really being able to focus on the safety case, um, being able to handle everything the highway throws at us, implementing innovative technology around mapping. Those were things that we really focused on more than commercial, the commercial aspects, more than partnerships and other things. But now it's time for us to really start showcasing that technology. And one of the things that all of these, uh, one of the, the all of these announcements and these partnerships have in common is that there was really extensive due diligence process. Um, you know, BMW, for instance, you know, they had the most extensive diligence process of just about anyone we've ever talked to. They sent their autonomous, uh, they had their autonomous driving engineers uh, to our office to ask us really tough questions to get rides in our truck. Uh, to really to to really push on the technology aspects, um, you know, as for standing alone or or merging with a competitor, I've really dedicated my life to autonomous driving, and it's the only thing I've ever done. And I really want to see this happen one way or another. I want to leave a legacy where I feel like I've contributed positively and in a meaningful way, whichever path we end up taking. Um, and you're seeing a lot of success in the market, right? You're seeing really great valuations and tons of success from a lot of our competitors within the autonomous space, especially within the public markets, as you mentioned. I think this is a huge validator. I think this is great for the industry at large. It shows that the public markets are believers in this technology. Of course, we're believers in this technology. I think at the end of the day, it's ultimately important for Kodiak to stay relevant, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean being a public company, at least not for right now. Right now, it means that we need to be proving that we have the best tech in this space and we're going to be continuing to push on the commercializ uh, commercialization of our product over the next several years. Okay, I'm going to get you out of here on this one because as you said, we're, we're a little bit time constrained and, and you kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask it in a direct fashion. And you don't specifically address fundraising, I'm aware of that. Um, but as you watch the competitors advance commercially, right? I mean, as you see the SPACs and you saw what Too Simple did with its IPO and, and that sort of thing, how important is it for Kodiak to, to do likewise to remain relevant? Well, again, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily um, important to follow everyone else in order to stay relevant. 
right? At the end of the day, companies have to be well capitalized. Uh, but there are a lot of downsides that come with being a public company, especially for small companies like Kodiak. Um, there are some upsides. There's there's pros and cons. And I would say that we're considering all of our options. You know, we're well aware of the market. We're well aware of what's happening with SPACs. We followed the Two Simple IPO, of course, as everyone else in this industry did. Uh, it's great to see their success. I think it's great to see the public markets really um, embrace the technology and embrace the players. Uh, ultimately, we'll have to make uh, a move in that direction. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of when, uh, not if. And let me, I'll, I'll just say that you know we don't necessarily believe that we have to rush into this like like some of the other companies have done. Okay. Well, Don, thank you. It's been great catching up again, and and uh, we will obviously be in touch. Be watching to see what you're bringing us next, and uh, thanks very much.